Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Vasile here, and we have another episode of The Mike Vasile Show. Now, today's show is going to be really interesting because I haven't eaten in 24 hours. More on that later on, on why I stopped eating for the next 48 hours. So I'm pretty much delirious and almost kind of like hallucinating at this point. So this uh, entire episode might be very entertaining to those that uh, want some entertainment as well as like very informative for the people that want some information and education and edutainment, if you will. Uh, but yes, overall in this podcast episode, we're going to go over money anxiety. We're going to go over thought addiction, judgmental friends, how to deal with them, as well as 48-hour fast and why I'm crazy and I haven't eaten for the past 48 hours. Um, so like I said, I apologize if I seem a little bit erratic and crazy and all over the place. Like I said, crazy things happen when you do not eat. And I am only thinking about food right now, and I still don't understand why I'm still doing this. So let's actually break it down. You know, overall, uh, this entire week has been pretty interesting because of the big realization that I had. I realized earlier on that, you know, a lot of my pain points in life, uh, in relationships, in business, uh, with women, in, in relationships with women, in relationships with, you know, business partners, the reason why, you know, like a lot of things in my life have been hard was actually because I've been self-sabotaging myself a lot. And I realized crazy enough, it's because of mommy and daddy issues. You know, it, it kind of sounds weird a little bit like, Mike, you have mommy, daddy issues. Like, listen, okay. I live here in Bali. Everyone has mommy and daddy issues. I'm literally walking down the street. You know, there's some type of ceremony or yoga event or whatever. And there's literally full grown men and women in their 10, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, just crying because they realized that they had mommy daddy issues and their entire life, they were living their life uh, controlled by their mommy daddy issues. So literally this week, I figured out what my mommy daddy issues were and that I was reliving the same life as them. So I just started telling everybody about it. I was like, dude, this is why I've been failing at X, Y, and Z. It's because of this. And funny thing enough, I even told my grandma, my grandma's like, Mike, you need a therapist. And I was like, okay, super Filipino, uh, apparently says I need a therapist. But, but that was like just one interesting thing that happened this week. You know, I figured this out and I was just telling everybody about it. I told my mom and dad about it. I was like, why, why did you not tell me that this is how you guys were feeling when you were younger? And my mom was like, super Filipino. You're like, Michael, are you stupid? Are you just in your head? And again, it was just, it was just one of the sharing processes when I have um, crazy months of realization. But one of the people that I ended up sharing this with was actually my close friends, right? Uh, one I do jujitsu with and one I do business with. And funny enough, one of those friends actually, uh, their previous uh, history in life was, you know, just like they accidentally were like drug addicts. And I know it sounds weird to even say this because this is like uncut and unedited, right? So I'm always afraid to share more uh, of other people's story, but just more so on like my experience. And he was just sharing with me all the things that he learned on, you know, his life and uh, all of the things that happened when he was like addicted to certain drugs and how he overcame it and how he used it to grow as a person as, as insane as it sounds. Now, I've never been addicted to drugs and I have no idea what that would even feel like. And that amount of pain is probably insane that he had to go through the amount of fear, judgment and, and ridicule as well as like anxiety. I bet you it was like nothing compared to like how I feel when I complain about my anxiety. Uh, but he gave me a bunch of very, very important lessons, you know, and, and I wanted to share with you guys those lessons because where I'm at right now in like my business, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like a new frontier, right? 
I'm in this point where now money is growing more and more faster than I could wildly imagine. And it's growing consistently, right? And because it's consistently and because it's growing, I'm actually freaking the fuck out. Why? Because I've never had a business that succeeded for longer than a year. My income has always been up, down, up, down. And for the first time, I have like a healthy business that hasn't messed up yet. And it's kind of like in, in, in some relationships when you're like, oh my God, we've been dating each other for so long. Uh, nothing bad is going on. What the hell is going on? And it's almost like when everything is working well, too well, you almost freak out a little bit. So because of this new frontier of me making more and more money every single month, uh, people think, oh, you know, like life would be better. Life would be good. Oh, when I have X, Y, and Z income, then I'll be happy. Uh, I would love to tell you that that's how I feel, but it, it's not, okay? Uh, because as the money starts going up, I've been turning more into like an emotional mess, like filled with so much anxiety, anxiousness, and fear of actually losing what it is that I built, right? And it's, it's like a catch-22. It's kind of like when, you know, you're dating a girl and you really, really like her. If you're a girl listening to this and you're dating a guy or, or whatever, whatever floats your boat, right? You're dating someone, right? And it's working a little bit too well for a little bit too long. And then you start freaking out a little bit. And then you think, oh, it's too good to be true. And then you self-sabotage yourself out of a good relationship. I literally feel that that's where I'm at, like in business where, I'm close to maybe self-sabotaging myself and doing something stupid that could just like ruin all the wealth that's just like automatically coming to me right now, right? And this fear that I have, uh, I know for a fact that stemmed with like mommy and daddy issues, right? Like as shown earlier on uh, from this podcast. Uh, it's, you know, my dad and my mom, they, they, they didn't have money when I was growing up. Uh, they lost a bunch of money earlier. My mom saw her dad lose a bunch of money in a bunch of stupid business ideas, as well as my mom, my dad lost a bunch of money when he, uh, like just was too aggressive. Right. So money anxiety, which what we will coin it in, in this podcast, money anxiety is literally in my veins right? A fear of not having money and a fear of what do I do once I get money and the fear of keeping the money and the fear of losing the money as if I get it. So if you really think about it, I'm unhappy no matter what happens. If I don't have any money, I'm unhappy. If I'm growing and making money, I'm unhappy. It seems like the entire time, no matter what happens, there is anxiety and anxiousness, right? And this was like very important for me to even share with my friends because, you know, like when you keep the shit inside, you can't, it's not healthy when you bottle stuff up, right? And I was just sharing them. I was like, guys, I re I went, I came home from like the gym and I saw them at this cafe here in Bali because everyone literally just works out at cafes. Uh, and I was like, guys, I have this huge realization. And I was telling them about my mommy and daddy issues and I was like excited and they were a little bit confused. And I was like, this might be the reason of like my money, money anxiety, as well as, you know, my relationship problems. Right. And, you know, I'm so grateful for them, man, because they literally just, you know, shared their thoughts, their experiences with their money anxiety and their relationship problems and their mommy and daddy issues. And these are just like two grown ass men that are like very manly, like some beat me up for a living in jujitsu and others are really, really savage business people like in real estate and SEO and, and stuff like that. And like, yeah, 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 we, we, uh, we experienced the exact same thing. And the biggest thing that I learned, actually one of them, uh, his background was, you know, he was using a lot like hard drugs. Uh, and he was talking about the story of the addiction that he had to it and how using drugs kind of like controlled him. Uh, when he started talking about that, for some reason, even though I've never done hard drugs in my entire life, seriously, like 
I'm I'm the most goody two shoes person in the world. My parents are super Asian. They would have beaded the drugs out of me if I were to go ahead and use it. And I was afraid of my parents just finding out if I ever even drank a sip of alcohol under age, as opposed to like doing all the hard stuff, right? But when he was expressing to me all of the hardships that he went through when he was, uh, you know, using and trying to get clean, right? And then uh, getting out of that, for some weird reason, it resonated a lot with me and my money anxiety. Now, I know that sounds weird. Like, Mike, that has nothing compared to money. Like, people have problems. They're literally addicted to drugs. They can't control it. It's an illness. It's a disease. They're trying to get better. How are you relating this to, you know, your money and financial issues, right? But like I said, I know it sounds weird, but when he was telling me his story in a situation of, you know, his addiction to drugs, how he got clean, and all the anxiety and resentment and shame and guilt that he felt, that's literally my relationship with money and work, right? Money and work and overthinking to make sure something doesn't mess up in my life, right? Like, like I'm even explaining what they thought. They're, they're telling me, okay, when I'm addicted to drugs, right, this is all I think about. I only think about using, I don't know how to handle conflict. When I'm in conflict with, for example, uh, my lover or my business partner or anyone, they literally go to use to escape that conflict to go almost back into homeostasis, to get back to present, to literally not feel that um, anxiousness anymore, right? But it's pretty funny, because when he explained that, I was like, dude, that is literally what I do when I get in conflict. But instead of using, I just revert to work. Like, I literally think, oh, if I'm like in a conflict, oh, I just gotta go to work. Oh, if um, something bad happens with, you know, my love life, oh, I just need to go and build my business, right? And I got to the point where it's so unhealthy, where my addiction to work uh, it sounds weird, right? Like some people are like, oh, that's a good addiction, but it, it's so messed up that I can't be present with my loved ones. Like, uh, for example, a couple of years back, you know, my, my biggest motivation in life was to work really, really hard so I could spend time uh, traveling with my family, right? And my mom and my sister literally visited me in Bali and it was like a dream come true. Like, oh my God, and my dad, right? But I didn't have the time to spend with them because I was just aggressively working, Right. And the work addiction that I have is horrible because I literally can't stop thinking about work. You know, I like I'm literally driving down on my scooter uh, down these epic rice fields here in Bali, like looking over this beautiful ocean. I'm just thinking about, you know, my analytics or my advertising costs or, you know, what I can do next in my business. And I'm always thinking about work and never actually thinking about the person or enjoying the conversation that I'm with like right now. Right. And it's so bad. It's so bad. You know, I literally get this, I guess, from my mom and my dad because everything is aligned to mommy and daddy issues, right? Like when my mom and dad were in ever a conflict, they're like, oh, the problem is, is because we didn't have enough money. So we got to go back to work and we're going to prolong our unhappiness until we make more money because then when we make more money, we could be happy, right? And, and it was just a model every single time. Like, oh, look, mom and dad are fighting because we don't have money. So the only other alternatives for them to go to work to make more money to then feel less unhappy, but then they have to spend more money and then they still don't have any money so that they would work more hours. And before you know it, they're just, you know, prolonging their life in terms of extending it or postponing it. Instead of living now and enjoying, you know, the life that you have now, they're just like, oh, you know, we'll do it when we have X amount of dollars in our bank account or when we get a raise in a job. And just seeing that growing up earlier on, I didn't realize it. But it was that relationship and seeing how my parents uh, dealt with conflict is what got me addicted to work to the point where it's really unhealthy, right? Where even now, you know, it's like, 
like if anyone looked from the outside looking in and social media and they're like, screw you, Mike, you ungrateful bastard, right? You live a good life. You're healthy. You're young, right? You, you have a beautiful girlfriend. You have two beautiful dogs. You have a healthy family, right? Stop fucking complaining. And I can see the look in my two friends' face because they're in their 40s, right? Late 30s and 40s. And they're like, Mike, dude, seriously, you're in your 20s and you're complaining about this. Like, screw you. Screw you. I'm like 41 and 42 and you're crying about this in your 20s, man. Screw you. And, and it's just like making me realize just how bad this addiction is, for example, for just me thinking about work all the time. Uh, another fear that I have is now that the income's going up, I feel like I'm going to do something wrong, right? I feel like I'm going to accident, like as if I have Tourette's of, of hurting people on accident or pressing a wrong button that it just like self-destructs my business. For some weird reason, I have this irrational belief that I accidentally pressed a button that could destroy my entire business or I accidentally said the wrong thing to, for example, a business partner or, you know, someone that I'm going to do like a business uh, deal with, right? And it, it, it's, it's a weird addiction. Like I said, it's a weird addiction, but my mind can't stop thinking about it, right? Because I feel like when I think about it and I almost do the little like game in my head, it's almost like that little hit, I guess, if, you know, someone was taking a jog where, oh, it was a little dopamine hit where it's like, okay, I'm safe for a little bit, right? And I kid you not, this is horrible. Like I'll work uh, from, I work three days a week, right? Three days a week uh, from 6.30ish a.m. to about 11 a.m., right? And it's intense work. It's deep work. I get a lot done in that time. And normally anybody else, you know, they would clock out and they would just relax, hang out, you know, make love with their husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend. And then just like, relax, man. You're in Bali. Relax. No, not me. The rest of the day, I'm aggressively and anxietedly almost double, triple and quadruple checking just to make sure I didn't mess anything up. I'll go through what I did in those four hours maybe a hundred times throughout the day in my mind while I'm at dinner with friends. Or I'll think about that when I'm in the sauna or in the ice bath. Like I cannot escape worth. It's unhealthy. I'll go over, um, even like, for example, the amount of YouTube videos I make, I make like three videos a day. I make seven videos three days a week. So it averages three videos a day. I will literally visualize in my head the YouTube analytics as well as if I scheduled everything right. I literally say it out loud in my head while I'm not even in front of my laptop, while I'm walking in front of a beautiful beach, right? And I'm literally thinking, okay, like, okay, I have three videos published a day. So 9 p.m., 11 p.m., 1 a.m. And this, and it's published in Bali time. So it's whatever Eastern coast time or whatever. And I schedule three videos a day. And sometimes I schedule three days in advance or four days in advance. And the rest of the day, if I do that, I'm constantly thinking like, oh man, like, okay, 9 p.m., 11 p.m., 1 a.m. Okay, Monday. Tuesday, 9 p.m., 11 p.m., 1 a.m., Wednesday, 9 p.m., and, and I'm literally reliving it, and it's a freaking hell that my mind feels like it's going crazy because I feel like if I misschedule it wrong, my entire business would blow up, right? And it's a very irrational fear, but yet it's an addiction that I keep finding my mind going over. Where I literally have to say it out loud, where I have to write it down, where I have to like visualize it on this, like as if it was like a holograph that I could see in front of me, right? I cannot escape work. It's it's soul crushing. It's, it's horrible. Right. And it's not just that it's even like, you know, with business partnerships, right? Like you, you remember when you were a kid and you, you, uh, texted, you know, someone that you liked and you're like, Oh my God, Oh my God. I hope, I hope I said the right thing. 
I hope I said the right thing. I hope she doesn't judge me. I hope he doesn't judge me. I hope I don't sound like a loser. And you're constantly rereading it and rereading it. And they haven't answered yet. And you're like, oh my God. Oh my God. I said the wrong thing. They're going to think I'm stupid. They're never going to like me. You remember that? How irrational that fear was when you were younger of, oh my God, I texted. And they haven't texted me back. I get that. I get that with people I do business with. And it hurts a lot. It's soul crushing. It's like, I, I don't know why. Like I'll literally say something as simple as, thanks, man. I'll send you the email later right? Something as simple and vanilla kosher like that where it would never offend anybody, right? And in my mind, I feel like I have Tourette's where I feel like that one thing could literally be the thing that uh, either annoys them or insults them so much where they go up to me and they're like, you know what, Mike? I don't want to do business with you anymore, right? I don't want to do business with you anymore. And it's such an irrational fear because, you know, I guess in the past, I I'm afraid that I can't make money by myself, I feel like I, I maybe don't have the skills to overcome if a business partner wants to cut me out because business partnerships have cut me out in the past. And I was like stuck in a very traumatic experience where I was like, oh, but I thought you th said we were going to work together and now you're cutting me out and taking the idea and running with it. So I have this like irrational fear where, you know, people are just going to cut me out, right? Or they're going to, you know, or I accidentally insulted them where they're going to be like, oh, Mike, I, how dare you? I don't want to do business with you anymore, right? Which is irrational because it's something as simple as like, hey, thanks, man. Uh, uh, let me know when you get the email. I kid you not, for the rest of the day, if I send a message, right? I, I literally even did it today, right? I sent uh, two messages, one to the guy that runs our Facebook ads. And he was like, hey, can you upload, you know, some images and uh, videos for what's working uh, the raw video so we could add some captions and test it to ads because right now our Facebook ads is killing it, right? It's, it's actually really killing it and I'm really happy and grateful and uh, just excited for where this is going. But because now Facebook ads is killing it and doing really, really well and this guy who runs our Facebook ads is asking for some creatives, like I have this fear where I said the wrong thing and he's gonna be like, you're so hurtful, Mike. I don't wanna do your Facebook ads anymore. As weird as it is, and I'll even like read you the message. The message is like, I'm literally tagging him on Slack. and like, hey, here is the file of the images and videos. Oh, and by the way, if you need more pictures, you could just go to my Instagram. Uh, there's a bunch of pictures there that work really well with ads. Oh, and you wanted the highest converting Facebook ads and the videos and the raw files of each. Well, I uploaded it to this drive folder. You could download it here. And I kid you not, even that message that I sent today, I probably thought of, at least 55 times while I was at the gym, when I was on airplane mode, when I wasn't surrounded by any like um, any freaking technology, right? I'm literally just like in my Muay Thai shorts, just, you know, overthinking about this. And it's nuts because it's like, what? Mike, like I, I have my girlfriend read what I say. I have my sister read what I say. I have like my mom and my dad, like I'll, I'll be on uh, FaceTime with them and I'll, I'll screen share my screen and be like, hey, Right or Zoom, I'll be like, can you can you just can you just read what I sent to this guy and let me know if it was mean or rude so I could change it. And I've literally been doing this for the past year. And it started when my income went from like if you listen to the the first podcast of like this series when uh, we went from zero to like now we're doing six figures plus a month, right, uh, with our business. But it really started when it went from seven dollars a day to about like once we broke four grand and ten grand a month. My fear of me messing up a relationship started increasing as the more money I, I like got, right? 
And it's just, it's just been stupid because I haven't been living and enjoying my life. I know people are like, screw you, Mike, screw you. I would happily trade, you know, places with you. And, and like I said, this just goes to show you that there's something that money just can't necessarily fix. You think that when, oh, you when I have more money, things will be better, but it doesn't necessarily be the case. So I, like I said, I, I talked to this, uh, to the guy that I do jujitsu with and like his stories with like, for example, being in NA meetings and nar narcotics anonymous meetings and like how he battles addiction. And I'm like, dude, I think, <laughs> I think I have an addiction problem to work and even thinking and overthinking for fear of money anxiety or fear of failure or fear of like losing a bunch of money, right? So the funny thing is, he was like, well, here, here's all the things that I use for NA. So I was like, okay, even though I've never been like addicted to hard drugs, right? I would love, I would love to read all of like your text material. So that's literally what I've been doing, guys. Like as weird as it is, like people recommend books, right? They're like, oh, I read Think and Grow Rich or oh, wow, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But I'm telling you this, I'm kind of, I'm like 25% done with this Narcotics Anonymous uh, book and it's completely changing my life. Like I'm thinking, why, why don't more people actually go ahead and read this, right? Why don't more people go ahead and read this, right? And it's actually getting me more in touch with my emotions because I don't know that I'm reacting when I don't know the state that I'm in. Right. And the guy that I do jujitsu with, he showed me a picture that they use, like, for example, some of these meetings. And he's like, Mike, it was a picture on Google. And it was like all of these pictures of like paintings of faces. They're almost like emojis, but like cartoon emojis of like certain, uh, certain, uh, how do you say emotions? It was like, pick the ones that you resonate with the most. And I literally picked two that really caught up. One was anxiousness. Another one I almost didn't want to admit that I had because why? Right. Like I'm young, I'm healthy. I, I have a beautiful life, but yet I, I picked the stressed out one. And I told him, I was like, dude, I didn't want to tell you this for some reason. I was almost afraid to share that I feel this, but I'm stressed out. He was like, well, Mike, stress normally means if you look up the definition, it's a pressure to succeed. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. And that's really what it is, right? And as I started diving deeper into like my financial problems as well as like my money anxiety, I started realizing that all financial problems are is just mask relationship problems. It was like a, a huge realization, right? I didn't understand that anxiety or financial problems or like lack of money or fear of losing money is really just stem to relationship problems. It's either relationship problems with your parents, relationship lovers with, you know, your significant other, especially if you are responsible for a child or relationship problems with yourself because you are not aware of your, uh, your own relationship with yourself and your own defectiveness and how those defectivenesses and your inadequacies have been controlling your life. That's why I was like so excited when I realized that my inadequacies were caused from like me developing mommy and daddy issues like most people do, right? It's because I was like, I, I finally was aware that I had a problem, which funny enough in the basic text in the Nar Narcotics Anonymous book, it was like, you have to admit that you're an addict. So I was like, oh, wow, I admit I'm an, ad an addict to chasing money and an addict to working to solve my problem and realizing that if I were continuing to do this, I would literally waste my entire life because I'm essentially like trading my life for this little addiction to thinking and work and money, right? Uh, and, and that was like a huge, huge, huge thing. So I started even thinking, I was like, okay, well, whenever I get triggered with anything, money and relationships related, right? That just means that's some shit that I need to work on. 
And what better way to just do it live on a podcast? Because then you realize, oh my God, Mike is still figuring shit out. Mike is still figuring shit out. He doesn't know anything. And if he can do it, I can do it as well. So that was kind of like a bigger thing, guys. Right now, right now, I was telling him, I was like, man, I'm going to be the first guy in Narcotics Anonymous going to the meetings and just almost like excited to be there, right? Because I'm learning so much. I'm learning so much. I'm like, man, you're in jujitsu, but you should be a life coach, man. I'm writing down notes while you're talking. This is insane, which just shows you if you have been through some hardships in life, like you have so much ability to just help someone else. And he was like super surprised and happy and excited that I even like said that. And I'm just like so grateful that he was willing to share all the things that he could have kept inside because I mean, most people are, are either scared to like let people know that they were in NA or Narcotics Anonymous. So like I said, I'm so grateful for him for just being vulnerable with me and just sharing that, right? But yeah, like I said, even today, I just went through like 25% of the book and I learned so much so much. Actually, we could even cover some of those things because this is my podcast and uh, I could go in whatever order that I want. Uh, but one of the biggest things that I learned, especially, and just think about this, right? This isn't just addiction to drugs, right? What I saw this was, was a vehicle to cure any addiction in life. It could be literally addiction to sex, addiction to validation. How many times do you wish you got validation from your mother, or your father, or your peers, or your friends, or your family? Uh, it could be an addiction to money, so many people have addiction to money or alcohol. It could even be an addiction to your previous lower self. Do you know that's one of the biggest addictions, by the way? Your identity, right? Your identity and who you think you are. Like so many people are addicted to their stories of why they can never succeed or why they suck at business or why no one will ever love them or why they say, oh, I'm too fat or I'm unhappy or I'm ugly or I'm Asian or I'm bald or I'm old or I'm too young. So many people are addicted to even that identity of, of how they see themselves, right? And if you could even just use this, right? And Narcotics Anonymous, even though you might not be like addicted to any drugs, like how I'm not, uh, to just cure your addiction to your poor self-image of yourself, it could do wonders, wonders for you, right? So the first step that I learned, like while reading this book, and I'm gonna go more into detail with this, I guess in the previous or in the next weeks as I dive deeper into, I guess, you know, my issues with my uh, unhealthy addictions, if you will. Uh, but I have to first accept that I'm an addict. That was like one of the first steps. Uh, and for anyone, I guess, that wants any breakthrough in life, any lasting change, you gotta understand at least where your point A is if you wanna go to point B. And you gotta understand that, dude, there's something wrong with you right now. You just gotta, you just gotta, Man up or woman up and look yourself in the mirror and just find out literally with a magnifying glass, what are those faults? Because it are those faults that you're afraid to look at, right? It's like the pimple that's literally in the middle of your forehead or on your nose that you're afraid to look at. Oh, if I can't see it, then no one else can see it. It are those things about your character, your character flaws. If you do not accept those character flaws, and you do not see it, and you're not real with yourself, and you're not brutally honest with yourself that you have those flaws, then it's hard to change. It's literally hard to change. It's hard to grow. It's hard to create breakthrough when you don't understand, you know, the issues and the traumas that have been holding you back. So I realized, okay, I am an addict. I'm an addict to the poor image that I created for myself because of the, the definitions and the meaning I gave to my childhood and my failures in life, my failures in my love life, my failures in you know business, my failures in business relationships, right? I'm an addict to the poor self-image that I have literally created for myself 
And I accept that. And the next level was like, for example, once you accept it to literally trust, they call a higher power. So for some, it could be God. For some, it could be the universe. For some, it could be whatever in the book. It literally says whatever will keep you clean, right? Because this addiction to like, I guess this poor self-image, right? And this even works for drugs, right? Because people that are addicted to drugs are it's because they have an image and a self-image that they're addicts, right? So in order to do that, because you literally were trusting into a lower power of destruction, right? That's what drugs are. That's what your lower self-image is. You have to trust in a higher power. So literally today, right? I'm at the gym and I haven't eaten. I haven't eaten for 24 hours and I got 24 hours more to go. And I'm gonna explain more about that later on. Why? Why am I crazy? Why am I crazy to not eat for so long? But I'm literally sitting there meditating and just, you know, almost like praying, right? Praying. I was super religious uh, when I was like really young because my parents, super Filipino, super Catholic, right? They would always preach it in. And then, you know, I was like kind of just lost, I guess, with my beliefs. But now after going through like some hardships, it's almost like you know, I'm going back, I guess, to praying again. And I'm like, I'm literally praying to some higher power. And I'm like, please, please give me the strength. Give me the strength to, you know, uh, keep on going or, or give me the ability to serve or like, please, please keep me humble as I make more money. I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid that I'm going to, you know, revert to my older, lesser image self as I make more money. And I'm literally praying that, you know, I stay a good person as I make more money, right? I'm literally praying and, and the next step is I'm just surrendering to whatever is taking those orders, Right. Uh, one of the things that they were saying is like prayer is almost like you asking for help and meditation is you accepting the answers that the higher power gives you. And it could be woo-woo if you want it. I mean, heck, I'm in Bali. So this is literally the island of woo-woo. Or this could just be, you know, hey, you know, this is just a process that I want to try because, you know, there are certain parts of my self-image that I don't like. And heck, you know, I can't lose it. I can't lose not at least trying, Right. So like I said, just keep an open mind with this because if it sounds a little bit woo-woo, don't worry. I was there too, right? And sometimes I still feel that it's a little bit woo-woo. Uh, but I tried it. I literally tried it. I just sat there and I prayed. I literally prayed and I looked up and, and I, I guess it might have been because I haven't eaten. I was like tripping out a little bit, I feel. I was like hallucinating a little bit because I haven't eaten, I guess. Um, but I felt like this urge to even just like drive back home and start recording this. I wasn't, I wasn't going to record this until tomorrow, but I felt like some like calling to just be like, Mike, okay, you're feeling lit right now. You're feeling excited. Maybe it's best to actually just create content when you're in this feeling anyways, right? And the next step that they were talking about is to take inventory of your uh, flaws and your strengths and you have to feel it to heal it because everyone feels shame, man. Everyone feels guilt. Everyone uh, feels resentment. And this is in terms of sexuality, of money, of relationships, of anything with your parents. It's all it's all connected, right? Like it's literally all connected, right? So I literally had to go and like access all of like my flaws. And that's kind of like what I'm doing right now. I'm literally doing what now? Because the next step that they say is admit my wrongs to someone. Admit my wrongs to someone. I was like, oh, who can I share? Who can I share? And I'm literally trying to like go down my messages. And I'm like, everyone's like working in the middle of the day in Bali because it's just too hot. So I was like, oh man, I got to share to someone. Mm. What about if I do it to my podcast? <laughs> so I was like kind of nervous a little bit in the beginning. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to sound like, like a little crackhead when I press record in the beginning, which I kind of feel like I did because I was like all over the place. Right. Um, and like I said, this by far is probably the hardest step 
right? This is hard this step because like you don't want to admit your faults. You, 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 when, when someone points out a shortcoming, you want to defend it, right? And I know whenever, for example, someone points out faults in me, I want to defend it, right? And this is the hardest because like I'm afraid that I'm going to sound like an idiot. I'm afraid that, you know, I might literally say something that might press a button that might just implode my business. Like, oh my God, Mike said this, right? Let's just explode his business, like the bad way, right? Or maybe a business partner might see this and be like, Mike, this isn't the image that we want for our specific business practices, right? And I'm worried that they're just going to cut me out, right? This is the hardest. And this is why I needed to go ahead and share this. I started realizing the less perfect I am in sharing this, the better. Like I can't admit my wrongdoings as if it was a TEDx talk. It should be a little bit shaky. And I need to overcome my embarrassment and own my shadows or these flaws because they're a part of me, right? And then they said one thing. It was like addicts lead or tend to live secret lives, and I realized if I wanted to be like, for example, congruent with who I was inside, with the world around me, with my lover, with, for example, my parents, with my family, with everyone, I cannot keep anything a secret, right? And then, of course, to ask a higher power to for uh, to like remove those shortcomings and all of that jazz. So that was it, man. I, I literally got on this podcast. I'm like, okay, it's time to share. It's time to share. And it's so funny because, like I said, it's 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 I'm getting all of this transformational, almost like self-coaching advice from an NA book, right? Uh, and all it, all it is, it's literally just a blueprint for breakthroughs and creating transformation. If someone who's addicted to drugs wants a new self-image of themselves and gets clean and gets successful, someone normal who might not be as addicted to anything could use this to also drastically create change. That's why, like, even though people, when I was telling them, I'm like reading, dude, I'm reading books about NA. I'm downloading all these, like, like, like things that I could like learn from. Right. If, if people looked at me weird, I was almost kind of like surprised. Cause like, dude, I'm learning. I'm learning how to fix all the things that I don't like about myself and being okay with those things. Right. Uh, so that's kind of like the jazz that I'm in right now. And I guess I encourage you guys to also maybe look at it as well. If you want some crazy transformation, cause if they're able to do it, man, go clean and become successful. If you were just like, Oh, I don't have that much money or, uh, oh, you know, my family doesn't support me. That's nothing. That is nothing compared to what people that are recovering from drugs are going through. I know this because my mom was a nurse, super Filipino, obviously, right? And uh, she worked at this mental hospital and, and you could see what drugs actually did to people. She would actually take me there sometimes. She was like, Mike, this is why you shouldn't do drugs. And she scared the hell out of me because I saw just what drugs actually did. And if people from that state that I saw them at were able to like not only overcome that, get clean, and then become successful, and some even become millionaires? Dude, dude, come on. What are you complaining on, right? So what else? What else did that clear up this week, right? Uh, one thing that happened this week, I didn't realize that I was triggered this week, was when uh, I still actually worry about what my friends think. Uh, and this is exactly how it happened, right? So we, we have a, like right now we're doing business with uh, this, 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 these people, right? They're actually close friends of mine that are here in Bali, right? And we're doing like this joint venture where essentially I'm essentially sending emails to, for example, their, um, their, their products and services. And I get a cut out of that. Right. Uh, and it's cool because we live in Bali. We're close friends. Some of these people really helped me out a ton when I needed it the most, right? Which, which explains how valuable, like really close networks and connections are. Right. And, you know, he was getting on calls with some of the people that he was like doing business with. And some of the people on the calls were like, oh yeah, we, we wanted to do this because we, uh, we just loved Mike Vasile's emails. And they were a little bit confused. They're like, 
dude, a lot of these people are saying that they really liked your emails. I need to go ahead and check out these emails. Can you go ahead and sell, send us the sequence or maybe opt us in to your email newsletter, right? We could go to your website and just automatically, you know, sign up and get these emails, but I want to know exactly the emails that they're getting. And at that moment, <laughs> I was so afraid to send it to them because it will reveal my income. Now, this is a little bit weird about me. Like I'm, I'm okay and willing to share my income to this podcast, right? Like the first podcast was like how I made 27K a week. If you go ahead and check that out or on my YouTube channel. But one thing that I'm afraid is to literally share it with friends that I see every single day on a day-to-day basis. I don't know why. I think it's because I'm afraid they're going to treat me differently. Um, I'm afraid that they're going to, you know, see me differently. I'm afraid. I think that the biggest thing is I'm afraid that it's going to inflate my ego like it did in the past. So when he asked me for it, I, I want to do multiple things. I almost wanted to give him all the emails minus the ones that showed my income, right? Which is weird because I'm like congruent with you guys that are listening, but I'm afraid to be congruent and share what people ask for with like my friends. I don't know if it's like, I'm a f- I have a fear of like keeping private or whatnot, or like I said, these people are going to look at me differently. But then of course I started asking myself, uh, when I got triggered, I was like, why am I afraid to share it with them? Right? Or why am I willing to hide certain things and not be fully authentic to what it is that they ask for? Right? And when I started journaling again, I was like, okay, where did I get this from? You know, this reminds me of my mom and how my dad told me to keep our success a secret. Now, I remember my dad, super Filipino, he's like, Michael, Michael, do not tell your mom. I don't know why I just gave my dad a Russian accent. He's like, Michael, Michael, uh, do not tell. I, I, what the hell? I'm Filipino and I can't even do a Filipino accent. I think I've just been practicing Russian accents too long because I'm dating a Russian. But okay, I'm, I'm not even trying a Russian accent to in an attempt to be funny. My dad's like, okay, Mike, do not tell your mom how much money we make because she will spend it all, right? And he literally told me that when we went from zero to 1.5 million in sales in 12 months, he's like, don't tell your mom, don't tell your mom, she'll spend it all. Don't tell your mom, don't tell your mom, don't tell your mom, she'll spend it all. So I guess that created fear of me sharing it with people. I'm like, oh, if I share it with people, they're going to take advantage of my success and they're going to want to figure out ways to get money from me. So that's where a fear comes from. Another thing uh, that happened is when I made a bunch of money initially is it literally fed my ego where I was almost afraid that no one would want to be my friend if they didn't know the success that I had. So I kind of like overcompensated, right? It's kind of like people that get like a really nice car to overcompensate for their lack of, you know, in the bedroom. Uh, But you know, that's literally what happened to me. I was just like, okay, whenever I meet someone, I'm going to let them know that I went from zero to 1.5 million in 12 months. And that income, uh, especially like, cause that wasn't all profit, right? That was just revenue. But like just that statement of, oh, zero to 1.5 million in 12 months, it became a part of my identity where I felt like if that, if someone didn't know that about me, then I was worthless, right? I was worthless. I would literally go in and if people didn't know like my accolades or where I came from, I had this anxiety of, oh my God, people won't respect me. And I realized that I didn't want to relive that again, right? So I kind of went to the opposite extreme. I was like, okay, can I make friends with people even if people think that I'm homeless or that I look like I don't own anything because I literally wear the same thing every single day, right? I barely wash my clothes. Um, My girlfriend's like, Mike, you make so much money, but why do you look homeless? Can you please at least put some jeans on? I'm like, babe, no, <laughs> I don't want people to like me uh, just for my successes. I want people to like me for me as uh, sensitive as that might sound. And that's literally where it is. You know, uh, I feel like I can't command respect 
just because I am who I am, but rather because of my accomplishments. And I didn't want to be known for my accomplishments. I just want to be known as like a funny, goofy guy that loves having a good time with people, right? Uh, so that's essentially the paradox that I was in. And I'm literally asking myself, well, if I'm authentic with you know my podcast, why am I not authentic with my friends? Why am I afraid to share it with them, right? So literally I noticed that and I realized it was like mommy and daddy issue. So literally today I just opted them in and now they're going to see the sequence. So I'll update you guys on what happens. What happens if they might look at me differently or if that was the wrong move. But it literally, go. I think one of the biggest things that made me okay with it was when I was reading the, the NA book, right? And it was like saying, addicts tend to live secret lives. And it's those secret lives, right? That kind of like put this burden on your shoulders that you have to carry because you are quietly carrying it. And for me, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want any burdens in life, man. I want to be as free as possible. I want to feel joy. I want to feel happiness. I just, I just, I just want to feel peace, you know? And I started realizing after this, I was like, oh my God, this is actually a great way to create content ideas. Cause all I got to do is just wait to be triggered and be put in a fight or flight response. And then I create a trigger to remind myself that, oh, when I'm triggered, I could actually use this to go ahead and create content. Because if I could, for example, turn on this podcast, right? And just record and successfully overcome these limiting beliefs in either my writings, in my emails, which you probably read, or these podcasts, then I could actually set an example for people that are also struggling with things. So it's almost funny because it's almost for me to be selfish and make more money in my business. I almost have to be selfless and literally like, like turn on my soapbox, turn on this podcast, write an email, and literally actively share as a drug addict would do at an NA meeting, what their problems are. And I think this is the thing that people are so afraid of because like I said, people are afraid to admit their faults. People are afraid to admit their wrongs. People are afraid to admit when they were a bad person or their shortcomings and they keep it up. They keep it inside and they bottle it up and that's what literally causes a spiritual constipation that prevents them from actually stepping into you know a very good feeling state that could literally be your every existence. Does that make sense? I was like, oh my God, let me just go ahead and share this. This is, this is literally why I'm starting a podcast again. I'm like, man, what a great, great way. What a great way to live, man, to, to realize when I am at fault and I've made a mistake or something is like out of my control and it's triggering me. And for me to overcome it live on this podcast and share it, what a way to live, right? What a way to live. Um, and, and I don't know, it just makes me feel really, really good about myself, right? Uh, and it kind of makes all these other words that I have almost like irrelevant, right? Like another thing that I wrote here in like my journal for the, what happened this week is I'm worried about fucking things up. Uh, that might be in terms of like, I don't trust myself or I don't know, right? Like for example, when business or relationships are working well, I'm afraid it won't last. So my OCD acts up and I triple check things like what I talked about earlier with like my money anxiety, right? And of course, this stems from like not fully trusting in myself and trusting that I could actually handle a situation if I indeed mess something up, right? So like I said, most of this is, is just all of these things that I'm dealing with that, that I'm realizing, okay, it's literally how much can I grow as a person and how much can I actually trust myself? And that's all I'm learning in this process, man. It's like the more authentic that I am, the more I share, the more I can overcome all of these things. These money anxiety, the, 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 the addiction, not just with, you know, certain, you know, physical things, right? But even like mental, emotional, and spiritual things. And how to deal with judgmental friends. It's not actually them being judgmental. It's me judging myself. Oh, and I, I totally forgot. Why haven't I, why haven't I eaten in 24 hours, Mike? Why? <laughs> why? Well, and we'll, we'll end this off on this. 
Well, here's the thing. Okay, I do one 48-hour fast every single month. Why? Because I read somewhere, and I'm, I'm not a doctor, right? I'm, I'm just some guy that just like treats my body as a guinea pig. That if you fast 48 hours every single month, it increases your lifespan, longevity. It's good for your health. It, 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 it literally prevents all the bad stuff that I can't actually say because I'm not a qualified doctor or health professional. Consult your local health professional or doctor. This isn't doctor advice, right? I'm just some guy that's just testing on himself, right? But I've literally been doing it for a couple months now, and uh, it sucks, it literally sucks, right? Like 48 hours is the most. I tried doing 72 hours. I was going to do it this week, but I was like, no, 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 I'm not there yet, right? And that, that's what I'm experiencing right now. It's the 24th hour. I have one more day to go through this. So that's probably why I'm kind of like hallucinating a little bit when I'm doing this and why maybe this podcast might have a little bit of a different energy because I'm in survival mode, right? Uh, but I do that once every 40 or once every 30 days. And it's been really good because not only does it uh, increase a certain stressor in my life, but it makes me realize all of like my other addictions, right? Like, uh, for example, I get so bored when I don't eat. I literally get so bored. Like, for example, when I was at the gym, uh, rethinking my YouTube analytics and just wondering and just almost like visualizing all my Skype messages, Slack messages, WhatsApp messages, and just like emails that are sent out and just seeing if I said the wrong thing or double checking if I scheduled all the videos in the right time or else something will blow up, right? When I wasn't thinking about that, I was thinking about food. I was thinking about food. And I was also thinking about people I could hang out with to distract myself from feeling uncomfortable with this, this feeling of hunger, right? This feeling of hunger. And it was actually today that I realized that I tied all of this in with even the NA program. And I realized how much I'm addicted to thought and how I cannot just sit still when I'm able to be uncomfortable, right? And it's such a stoic philosophy to live by. To, they, they say um, in stoicism, the best appetizer is hunger because, because then you really enjoy whatever it is that you were going to eat. And I, I'm starting to realize, like, I, this is one thing that actually, this 48-hour fast that has helped me as I've made more income, uh, is it, it's kept me more at bay with just being okay with things, right? There's some billionaires that even do this. Like, once a week, they sleep on the floor so they understand that they can't let their income make them soft, Right? Or another one is uh, they'll not eat for 48 hours. So they don't become dependent or addicted to the good, finer foods, right? And this is something to do really, really well over and over and over again, right? And you don't realize, you don't realize how much you love food or how much food just takes the, the, the attention away from, you know, your own internal problems because you're just constantly thinking about where you're going to eat, right? But so far in the past 24 hours, I didn't have the escape of eating, Normally in the past, if I felt a little bit of anxiety, guess what I would do? I would eat some food. And because it had a lot of carbs or whatever, my brain would just almost stop thinking because it was just doing all of the energy to go ahead and digest, right? But something happens when, you know, you don't eat for like 48 hours. And like I said, I'm not a doctor. Do your own research, right? This is this could be risky if you have any pre-existing conditions, but I'm just a crazy man, right? But when I just sit and just listen to my voice as it sits in hunger, I realize that there's this other voice inside my head. It's the lower version of myself, the animalistic side of myself that has literally controlled me. Oh, it's uncomfortable. Don't do this. Oh, don't start that business because you might lose money. Oh, don't talk to that girl because she might reject you or, or her boyfriend might kill you, right? All these things. And you start realizing how illogical it is. Like sometimes that voice is like, dude, you need to eat or you will die. And even though that might have some truth to it and I feel like it right now, it literally makes me, I feel like, like a tougher person, 
Like, I feel like my willpower has gotten stronger, right? I, I literally feel like, you know, my focus is more intense that if I could survive this, man, it, it just makes my mind stronger, which if you're an entrepreneur, that's one of the most important things to keep your mind sharp, right? And I even notice it, right? Like as my income's going up and, and our ads, our Facebook ads and YouTube ads, ads are kicking off, I find my brain being, oh, don't make as much content. You don't have to make a podcast today. You don't have to publish 21 videos a week like how you've still been doing. Why are you working so hard, Mike? Relax, relax. You're making money. You could relax. You could afford to relax, right? And it's that part of the brain that's like, oh, just eat. Eat that ice cream. Oh, you can. You could afford it. You got a six pack. You could do it, Mike. But it's that voice that would literally ruin my life. And what got me to the point where I'm at, health, wealth, love, and happiness-wise, it's that same voice that once it gets comfortable, will literally lose all the things that I work so hard for, which is why fasting works so well because I, I get very familiar with that self-sabotaging voice. Whenever the voice is like, just eat, just eat, you need to eat. My brain's like, no, I don't need to submit to my animalistic, uh, for example, urges of just eating just because I'm uncomfortable even though I can survive. Like some people like do 10 or 14 day fast, right? Like Gandhi, I think fasted for like a month or so, right? Like two days, like, like I said, consult your doctor or whatever, health professional. I'm not a professional. I'm not, this is just like an experiment that I'm doing myself, right? So don't do what I do. Just listen to the experience that I'm saying. I'm not telling you to go ahead and do a 48 hour fast, right? But I'm telling you, I got so used to that voice that I know that that's not my higher voice, right? So that same voice that tells me, oh, go eat, go eat food, go to feet. You're so uncomfortable. Please just eat food, eat food. So you don't have to think about all of your anxiety. It's the same voice that's like, oh, don't make a video today. Don't record this podcast today. You've already made a lot of money today. You don't need to do this. You could just relax. You could just relax. And that's the voice that would literally ruin my life. Right? So like I said, 48-hour fast is just a tool. Um, it's not to look better naked because, I mean, yeah, it, it could do one of those things. It's just one of the side benefits. Like I said, I'm doing this for longevity. If there is a, a, a centenarian Olympics for people that are over 100 years old, uh, that want to go ahead and compete in an Olympics only for 100-year-old-plus people, I want to prepare for that. And that's essentially it. Uh, I learned a lot about fasting from a bunch of things. Uh, you can just YouTube it. That's where I essentially get all my stuff. But guys, hope this helps. If you enjoyed this and you're like, wow, that was really crazy, please share this to one friend and annoy the hell out of them to go ahead and listen to this podcast or any other, on one of the other podcasts, as well as leave a review on iTunes. Much love. See you guys on the next episode.